Zimmerman looked a lot like the Zimmerman we've come to expect these last three seasons. Uh, Corey Kluber gave the Tigers some chances, but was still pretty good. And the Tigers fall 8-2 to to end their five-game winning streak. I'll talk about that, and I'll also discuss a little bit about the players-only broadcast. And we'll get into a little bit of sabermetric stats with some discussion of win probability added on today's Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Brown, and it is... Wednesday, April 10th. And before we begin, I want to remind you to go ahead and download, rate, and review the show on all your favorite podcast apps, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and the new podcast app Himalaya. And when you get into your fancy car, go ahead and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Tigers. So yeah, this game felt familiar in kind of all the worst ways from this year and in years past. It began uh, with Leonis Martin starting the game off with a, a bomb on the second pitch of the game, like a 420-foot home run, which good for him. Uh, he was good for the Tigers last year, and he helped them get a solid prospect in Willie Castro, and then he got traded to the Indians, and he almost died. So I can't be too mad about him coming back and hitting a home run. That's that's nice. But it was kind of a bad indication of things to come. Not the best way to start a game, basically. So and then you head to the second inning, uh, tied 1-1, and Zimmerman struck out the side in the second. Unfortunately, that was surrounded by a bunch of hard contact. He gave up a one-out double to Tyler Naquin and then a two-out bomb to Brad Miller on a hanging slider, the hardest hit ball of the game. Then in the fifth inning, it's 3-1, and Roberto Perez hits a home run on a hanging slider. It is It left it at a 46-degree launch angle. So I want you to, to picture a batter from a profile and look, picture a circle around him like a you know the Da Vinci drawing, and directly above it would be 90 degrees. And directly in front of him would be zero degrees, and in between would be 45 degrees. So picture that. That is a, generally speaking, a pretty high pop out. But in yesterday's game, there was plenty of wind, and Perez hit a 46 degree uh, ball, and it just kept carrying out, and it was a homer. And that's just the second time a homer with a 46 degree launch angle has gone out this year, and there were only eight of them last year. So that's a pretty rare unicorn. You know, you always see something interesting in a baseball game. Uh, then after that, Brad Wheeler took a four-pitch walk, I think it was, and then he stole second and moved to third on a Grayson Grinder throwing error. And then he got a sack fly, and Zimmerman is done for the day. Four and a half, third innings, four hits, five runs, four of them earned, two walks, four strikeouts, three home runs. Not ideal. And, you know, so breaking it down a little bit, his pitch mix wasn't all that different than what we've seen. His main issue was his slider just wasn't biting, and instead it was hanging over the middle of the plate. And that led to six balls in play off his slider, and four of them were hits. So he threw a few more fastballs, I think, just because the slider wasn't working. And that's not ideal because it's his worst pitch. And he also broke out like a handful of change-ups, I guess, just to see if anything else would work. And, you know, I suppose in cases like this, you might try to go with more curveballs than sliders. But to me, you know, I don't know if he's having trouble spinning the slider, if he's also going to have trouble spinning the curve. He has a tough outing. I'm not ready to give up on him yet and say that this is who he is for sure. I mean, we've seen evidence in the last few years. I don't think he's the guy that we saw in the first two games, but I'm not sure if he's going to be this bad in every outing. So then after that, Blaine Hardy comes in, he gets a strikeout, and then gives up three really hard-hit balls, a one line out, a home run to Jake Bowers, and then a line shot to Nico in left field. So you remember that home run to Jake Bowers was the fourth of the game. Our, our guest the other day... Jeff Ellis told us to 
Indians came into the series with only four home runs, and in this one game, they doubled their season total. So that's not ideal. I guess all they needed was to play the Tigers to get right. So, yeah, that was the second home run that Hardy has allowed this year, both to lefties, which is kind of strange. And, yeah, after that, Reed Garrett comes in, the Rule 5 pick. He gets a routine fly out and then an unlucky bloop double, and then he gives up a crushed single that hopped under Mikey Matik's glove. Mikey Matik completely biffed this one. It went behind him and turned it into a basically an old-school little league inside the park home run. And Garrett struggled with his command after that. He walked Leonis Martin. He almost walked Jose Ramirez, but he was able to get out of that jam with a double play. But he got zero swings and misses on 18 pitches, and that could be an issue for him going forward. So then they come out uh, in the eighth inning with Daniel Stumpf. And Dan and Jim on the radio were talking about his diminished velocity. And it's true. He was sitting at 89 to 90 miles an hour yesterday after sitting at 93 miles an hour with his fastball at an average the last few years. He got two strikeouts, but again, there was some hard contact. Lots of hard contact today. And so that's something maybe to look forward or look for going forward. And then they finished with sort of a high note. Drew Verhagen comes off the injured list and makes his debut in the ninth, and he looked pretty good. He got a strikeout, a soft line out, and kind of a hard grounder, but it only took him 10 pitches. He touched 94 with his fastball, and he got two swings and misses on those 10 pitches, one on a curve and one on a slider. So it's nice to see him come back seemingly healthy and strong. So it was an 8-2 loss. We know that. I guess we can go to see what happened on offense now, even though it's kind of anticlimactic. But at the plate, you're taking on Corey Kluber, one of the best pitchers in baseball over the last five years or so. And he really had his cutter working today. You know, he wasn't vintage Cy Young Kluber, but that cutter was a great pitch for him. And But the Tigers had their chances. They got seven hits. They had some in on base. Josh Harrison began the game with a hit, and then Nick Castellanos got on an error. The shortstop kind of bobbled it and threw it away. And then Miggy got screwed, basically, on a 3-1 pitch. It was half a foot outside. And they called it a strike. And so then in the 3-2 pitch, Kluber threw it in the exact same spot and Cabrera swung and missed. And he, he complained to the ump. He said, I had to swing at that, basically, because of the call you made before. And so that was a huge call in the game. Who knows what it would have happened. But the bases loaded and nobody out in the first inning ended up being a little bit different than I men on second and third with one out. Although I will say that Nico Goodrum picked Cabrera up. He got a hard line drive into the outfield and only scored one run because he hit it so hard. It was like 108 miles an hour. The hardest hit, uh, second hardest hit ball of the game. But after that... Candelario struck out and Stewart popped out, and so that was it. It was tied 1-1 after the first. They had another good chance in the third. Harrison had a hard-hit double, one of his few hard hits of the season. But Castiano struck out, failed to move him up. And then Miggy had a, a well-placed bloop in between shortstop and third base, kind of a lazy liner that Harrison had to hold up on second to make sure the shortstop didn't catch so he didn't score. But So you had first and third out with one out, but then again they couldn't. They failed to capitalize, and Nico Goodrum struck out on a nasty cutter, and Jamer Candelario walked to load the bases, and Kristen Stewart had a really nice at bat, too. I think he worked a two, two count and then hit a ball really hard, 385 feet, but it was just in the wrong spot. So couldn't get it done again. Then we head to the fifth inning. This is where they scored their second run. Nick Castellanos uh, had a little bit of a blooper, a flare in the right field. And then Mickey crushed a double to left center field, one of his best hits of the season. Uh, it was actually his first extra base hit of the year. We're in 11 games into the season, so that kind of tells you how the, where the offense has been. But Nico struck out again, so he failed to, failed to move Cabrera up. Cabrera knocked in Castellanos in the double, by the way. So Nico failed to move Cabrera up, and then Candelario hit a hard grounder, and Stewart hit a hard lineout, and that was it. 5-2, some tough luck in there, but that's just the way it goes. Then we move on to the seventh. At this point, I believe it's 8-2, to two, and Cabrera hit another bullet. But bad luck, it bounced off Jose Ramirez at third base and then went right to shortstop Stimets, who threw him out. So he's hitting the ball hard, and eventually he'll get rewarded, I think. Nico also hit a liner. At that point, it's a right, right-handed batter at 103 miles an hour. 
But in that stretch, there were 14 straight Tigers batters retired, so there wasn't really a whole lot going on there. They didn't get another man on base from the fifth inning on until two outs in the ninth when Jordy Mercer hit a deep double to center field, but then Harrison grounded out, and that was it. So, yeah, that's the anatomy of an 8-2 loss. The Tigers, they had their chances, but they went just 2-13 for with runners in scoring position, and they are now 16-87 for with runners in scoring position on the season for a solid 184 batting average. There was some solid contact, and I still feel like it's going to turn around at some point. I'm just not sure when. So, yeah, I think we need to talk a little bit about the players' broadcast. So this was Fox Sports Detroit's idea to switch things up. They got rid of Matt Shepard as the play-by-play man, and it's just a booth full of former players. It was Howard Cosell's nightmare. It's Kirk Gibson, Jack Morris, Dan Petrie, and Craig Monroe all kind of telling meandering stories, not really narrating the action at all, and couldn't really tell. I mean, you're watching so you can see what goes on, but it's just, it was very awkward. And I ran into a broadcast like this earlier in the year for an NBA game, which was just awful. It's a little bit different than the NBA game because it moves so much more quickly, and if you don't know all the players, you know, they don't... In baseball, they at least put their names on the screen so you know who's at bat. But in the NBA, they're just kind of throwing the ball around. And when nobody's telling you what's going on, it's just a bunch of guys going, oh, look at this. Oh, wait, watch for this. And it's, it's just a terrible <laughs> experience. And I don't know why companies are doing this, but you know, I don't blame the players. I blame Fox Sports Detroit, the former players. They, they were doing their best, and at times they were okay. But it sort of reminds me of those celebrity basketball games on TV where everybody is really quite bad except for maybe that one random musician or politician who can actually shoot and dribble a little bit so they look amazing uh yeah and that's just kind of like this when when somebody would do something good you kind of felt like they were better than they actually were it was for lack of a better word it was rock and jock announcing and it sucked speaking of rock and jock let's talk about sex good sex Remember the days when you were always ready to go? This isn't just for players only. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now this isn't just for guys who can't perform, it's for any guy who wants extra performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no talking to a pharmacist, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And wouldn't you know it, uh, today I've got another testimonial. That's 3 and 0 We're on a bit of a streak here. And this one comes from someone named Jack, and he says he hasn't tried Blue Chew himself, but he has several friends who have. So let's see what he has to say. They would get three, four inches. I mean, that's pretty impressive. And so I wanted to touch on something that has been a bit of a running thread in our Tigers Twitter Intelligentsia message group. Uh, we've been discussing the true value or cost of good or bad outfield defense. If you're a regular listener, you've probably heard me talk about StatCast's outs above average metric, which is basically what it says. It, it's an indication of how many outs an outfielder contributes on defense compared to average. I've mentioned several times that Kristen Stewart is already negative three on the season, meaning that there were three instances in which Stewart didn't make an out when an average fielder would be expected to make an out. It's fun and informative and lets you know who's playing well out there in general sense. But the ultimate question is how much this really matters. Now, my buddy Mark thinks it doesn't really matter as long as you're out there mashing. And to a certain extent, I agree with him. After all, that's kind of how those good Tigers championship caliber teams were built. They were a bunch of mashers who you go out there and you drive in runs and you hope you don't screw up so bad on defense that you cost the team a game. 
But uh, the main problem I see with the outs above average stat is that it lacks context. For example, Mikey Matuk's blunder yesterday very clearly cost the Tigers a run. But really all it did was change a 7-2 game to an 8-2 game. So no big deal. But what I want is a defensive measure that also takes into account context, like a defensive WPA. And for any sabermetrics people out there listening, if you know of such a thing, please point me in its direction. For the non-sabermetrics people, I figure, how about a quick explanation of what exactly WPA is? So you've, you've heard me mention war many times, wins above replacement, and that's just a, an easy, all-encompassing estimation of how good a player has performed. The one potential issue with war is that it's context neutral. So to war, a homer that you hit with your team down 10 nothing already in the first is is worth just as much as the home run you hit in the bottom of the ninth for the walk-off win. Now, to a certain extent, that makes sense. It's just trying to measure things a player can control. A player can't control what situation they come to a bat. But in reality, we know that homer in the ninth inning is worth so much more. It actually won the game for him. So that's where WPA comes in. WPA stands for win probability added, and here's how it works. When a game starts, both teams have a 50% chance of winning. But then every play after that alters a team's chances of winning their win expectancy to some degree. And we know that because we have decades and decades of box scores. Uh, For example, in yesterday's game, the Tigers had a 50% chance of winning at the first pitch when Zimmerman threw it. And on the second pitch, their chances of winning went from 50 to 40.3% because Leonis Martin hit a home run. So that 9.7% change in expected outcome gets credited to Leonis Martin as his win probability added and docked from Jordan Zimmerman. He's the one who gave the home run. So hopefully that part makes sense. You know, what you do in a game to help or hurt your team's chances of winning, you get credit for it. As we get into later parts of the game, individual plays can alter the win expectancy in much bigger ways. And that's just because there are fewer outs left in the game. The game's getting closer to being over. So any one move can have a huge effect on the game. And I'll give you an example of that, too. In last Saturday's game against the Royals, when Kristen Stewart came to the plate in the bottom of the seventh with two outs and the bases loaded, the Tigers had a win expectancy of 41%. After Stewart hit that grand slam to put them up 7-4, to four, they had a win expectancy of 93.2%. So that one hit improved their chances of winning by more than 50%. And that's a huge swing, and it was so huge in part because it happened late in the game, and that's what they call a high-leverage situation. So anyway, I hope I didn't lose you there with just that little aside on WPA, but I brought that up just because WPA affects hitters and pitchers, but to my knowledge, it doesn't affect fielders. At least, I I don't know. And it's easy enough to figure out with obvious errors, like Matuk's biff yesterday. That changed the Tigers' win expectancy from about 5% to 2%, so he got a negative 3% percent WPA there if, if you wanted to do that. But StatCast doesn't tell us which of these plays and their outs above average metric the outfielders are missing. So I don't know when Kristen Stewart gave away those three outs. So we can get an idea of his true talent out there, but not any idea really of how much they affected the outcome of the game. And that's all I want. I just want a little context. Is that too much to ask for? Uh, and that's it. That's that's the show for today. I really wanted to get in and discuss a little bit about Nico Goodrum and where he came from and what we think about his future here, but uh, I guess I'll do that tomorrow. How about that? I'll promise that. So, yeah, thanks everybody for listening, and I want to remind you again to go ahead and rate and review the show on all your favorite podcast networks and check out some of the other fine Locked On podcast shows like Locked On Pistons and Locked On Lions. And, uh, yeah, hopefully the Tigers can go out there and, and start a new winning streak today against a tough pitcher, Trevor Bauer, but who, who knows? It's baseball. You go out there and play to see what happens. But, uh, yeah, enjoy the game, and I'll be back tomorrow to talk to you about... What happened? Thanks for listening.